book by book. Here we are in the land of sunshine, California. And Richard Buse is my name as I'm joining you, along with Paul Blackham from London, England, as we sit together here in Westminster Presbyterian Church in Westlake, just uh, in Agoura Hills in California, which is really the home of our guest, Johnny Erickson Tyler. Johnny, you. it's good to have you here on the program. Good to be with you both. <laughs> we are doing Philippians, and as we look at Philippians, we're coming to chapter 4. This is study number 6, and we're going to turn to, I think, verses 4 to 7. I'm going to read first of all, but we're doing the whole chapter. Of course, the overall theme is that of being worthy, living as a citizen worthy of the gospel of Christ. And today's theme, I would call, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Here mm -hmm. it is, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, says Paul, writing from prison. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you think that's a marvelous thing for a man to be saying from prison? Mm. He's guided by, by Roman soldiers day and night. He's completely, really, you'd have thought, tied down from his ministry. Oh, no. Paul sees that this is an opportunity to spread the gospel even more as he releases his letters, as he witnesses to his prison guards and sets the gospel free right around Caesar's palace, as he calls it, Caesar's household. Now, verse 1, we ought to look at for a moment. My brothers, you whom I long, love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. He's writing to these Philippian Christians who are under persecution. And I would like to ask you, Johnny, this sounds like a, a conclusion to a long argument that uh, began, I suppose, back in chapter 1, verse, maybe about verse 27. But w what have we learned? How do we stand firm together mm. in the Lord? Well, I like the fact that it's together. It's pretty tough exactly. to stand firm alone. Yeah. You got to do it with, with other brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. And actually, this stand firm command is a military expression that uh, uh, conveys a soldier standing at his post. And I'd like to think of us as Christians standing as soldiers on the front lines, advancing the cross, Christ gospel against the kingdoms of darkness, linking elbows, standing firm. And we've learned so many things in this book thus far. Uh, we can stand firm together as we have no confidence in the flesh, as we think of Christ first, as we make it our ambition to spread the gospel, and as we... Uh, think of others. It, it, these are the things, these are the ways which we can stand firm and encourage one another. Always remembering that we're on the front lines as yeah. soldiers. Yeah, yes, you've given us a good resume, actually, of the letter to the Philippians while you've been talking just now. And, and then, Paul, there's always an ugly bit to this. There's always mm. a challenge bit. I mean, you could say that some of these letters describe how to wreck a church. <laughs> when, mm. Uh, mm. when I'm looking here now, and uh, verse, uh, well, two, there's a little bit of trouble going on here. Mm. Would you like to talk a bit about it? Yeah, you have these characters, there's Yodia and Syntyche and Clement, and then there's actually another character, but he, his, name is, his name's hidden a little bit, because you'll see in verse three, mm. uh, Paul says, yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow yeah. here, or true comrade, uh, some translations put that. And you think, 
oh, who's the letter addressed to? Mm. It sounds as if it's addressed to one person who's a true comrade, but it isn't. It's addressed to the whole church. Mm. But then you discover that actually, lawyer Yoke, that's actually a person's name. And many, many versions of the Bible will show that in a footnote or something called uh, Zizigus. So what it really seems to be is that he's, he's letting us look at the lives of these characters in this Philippian church. And there's two people not getting on with these two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche. And he's like saying, look, do you not remember how well you got on when you were working together for the gospel? Mm. When that was the centre of your attention, evangelism and the glory of Christ. Then whatever differences you had between each other doesn't matter. You, th- those, those things fell away. You were united in the gospel. You're not doing that anymore. So he says to this guy, Zizigus, See, get those together again, working in mission, and then they'll get on together. And it's great because, again, how do we get united? Because me and my wife, Liz, used to go to Speaker's Corner in London, and we'd be preaching the gospel, and there'd be uh, communists and Mm. people of all sorts of religions and everything there. But there'd be a few Christians, but we'd be from every conceivable background Methodists and Baptists and House Church and Anglicans and everybody, but we were totally unaware of all the differences between us culturally, mm. languages, because we were absolutely standing shoulder to We had to stand shoulder to shoulder and help each other, totally focused on the gospel and the unity we experienced there. We never experienced anything quite like yeah. it. And I think that's what Paul's saying. Yeah. All you guys, and there's Clemens as well. He was another uh, gospel worker. And all of their names are in the book of life because that's what the gospel gives a person. The name in the book of life. Isn't that the only name in the whole Bible which actually says specifically he's in the book of life? Well, that's Clement. And and, and as a teenager, I always used to say, oh, I wish I was Clement because I had assurance (laughs) problems. I thought, with Clement, he can just look it up in the Bible. Am I saved? Uh, oh, yes, I am. It says so. I was like, oh, I wish I was Clement. <laughs> it's like the whosoever's. We're, we're really grateful for the word yes. whosoever in the Bible. In fact, Richard Baxter says that, the famous Puritan of the 17th century. When you read John 3:16, you know, whosoever believeth in him mm. hath everlasting life. And he said, I thank God for that word whosoever. Mm. He said, if it said there's mercy for Richard Baxter, I am so vile, I would think it would mean some other Richard Baxter. <laughs> yeah. But this word, whosoever, covers all the worst of the Baxters that ever lived. <laughs> I think that's so good, because when me as a teenager, I always thought, oh, I need, if I had some special revelation. Actually, the answer is the gospel itself. Yeah. That's where Clement got, gets his assurance from. And in a sense, Paul's saying that too. He's saying to all these people, might be disunited with each other or whatever the... Problems are get focused on the gospel. There you will find unity mm-hmm. and assurance and everything. So maybe what we learn partly from this verse is if you do want to spoil the fellowship or wreck a church, you could be like the first grumbler, as we were mm. learning in an earlier study, or be the first gossiper. You know, yeah. people can't quite get on, a bit of gossip mm. going on. That can tear a fellowship yeah. apart too. It's very interesting. It's very solemn, really. Yeah. Johnny, I bet you like Philippians 4 verse 4. Oh, it's, yes. I mean, it's such a wonderful verse. How can we take it seriously, though? How can we always rejoice in the Lord? That's a good question. Rejoice always. 
And I think the very good answer to that is in the next verse. We can rejoice always because the Lord is always near. I mean, that is such a huge comfort. We're not alone. We haven't been abandoned in our hardships. Paul was certainly not abandoned in prison. We can rejoice always because the Lord is always near. And then in the very next verse, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all human understanding will safeguard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That right there is cause for rejoicing. When we've got the peace of God in our hearts that transcends any human logic, we can say hallelujah, we can have a smile on our face, we can rejoice always. And that we find particularly even in places where there's great oppression, where there's persecution going on, in the hearts of some areas in Africa, which is where I, which is where I was born, we find that is happening and I think that you from your world of understanding of the whole world of disabilities worldwide, oh, you must see it. The quadriplegia isn't gonna go away. My hands will never work until I go home to be with glory. The cancer isn't gonna go away if there might be some friends watching with that malady or ailment. Uh, the difficulties in life circumstances, the, the job promotion might never come, the marriage might never get easier, but we can rejoice always because the Lord is always near. And as we pray and go to him with our anxieties, he gives us his peace, which is double cause for rejoicing. Mm -hmm. I find that very humbling and very energizing to hear yes. you talk in that way, Johnny. It's wonderful to hear you talk. Look at verse eight. Look on at verse eight, Paul. Mm. Do you see it there? Finally. He's got another finally here. Finally, brothers, whatever is, then he gives a great list of pure, yeah. noble, good report and all of those things. I mean, physical discipline, I think, today is very popular. We've been going through California. We see people jogging <laughs> yeah, like mad. <laughs> going on bikes as well, yeah. you know, all of that. Um, but Paul seems to be talking about mental yeah. and spiritual disciplines here in yeah. verse 8. Which, uh, what is Paul's guide to sort of mental health? Mental health? I mean, that's the thing is so many people are, are, are troubled in their minds and here we've just heard that it's the peace of God that guards our minds. And then Paul goes right into a thing about mental discipline. And he's really saying, what do you, what do you, what do you feed your mind with? Because sometimes people will uh, um, allow, watch things, read things, listen to things that are totally unsuitable, ungodly, against the mind of Christ and all those things. And think that won't harm them. It really will harm them. And he's really saying, if you're going to consistently rejoice in the Lord always and experience his peace and be faithful in all circumstances, you've got to watch your mind and f focus. First of all, watch your mental diet, but also what, what activities you give your mind to as you go throughout the day. What is it that you're thinking about? That Earlier we were saying, every day set your heart and mind on Christ. We eagerly desire his return. And then that's, again, your mind, that's what your mind fixes on. It colours the whole day. Whereas if you set, set your mind thinking, oh, yeah, what I really want is, and selfish things, that's going to colour you. And then you won't know the peace and the joy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we, again, we have to take this to heart that every day then is an exercise in focus. Hmm. Focusing hmm. upon the one thing, the one person. And it's not just you know, getting through your examinations, though that is important, or getting on with a promotion, though that is important. But mm. actually, there's something bigger that has to drive us. Yeah. Yes. This seems to be the thing about Paul yeah. the Apostle here. Johnny, 
I'm looking now at these terrific verses of 11 to 13. Perhaps you haven't got time to read them all, but I am not saying this because I am in need, he says. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, wow. you know, and what it is to have plenty. And he's going on, I can do all things in Christ through him who gives me strength. Well, this is a sort of centerpiece of his testimony, I think, yeah. to the Philippians. What is the secret of, let's call it this, the art of frustration hmm. or the secret of contentment? How can we, what can we learn so from this? The secret of contentment, you know, I'm no Greek scholar, Paul, but Greek scholars do tell me that the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Greek root word uh, rendered for uh, contentment has the meaning of sufficiency. It does. As mm. in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for mm. you. Mm. And so I think that the secret that Paul learned was that Christ's grace would be sufficient for each and every need no matter if he were hungry or, or if he were filled or if he had want or plenty or what have you. Mm. And, 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 and he had to learn this secret. I mean, it, did he learn it in a flash on the Damascus Road or did he learn it painfully and slowly or both? Well, I, I think both actually. I mean, he had, to, he had to make tough choices each and every day. Mm. I will believe this as Paul just talked about focusing your mind, you have to choose. Uh, for instance, with my own paralysis, I have got to choose, I have got to make my will conformed to what I know my spirit wants to do, and that is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I remember when I was first learning how to feed myself, it, it was a mess. I mean, I, I was getting applesauce all over me. I put a, a bent spoon in my arm splint and I'm able to lift the spoon to my mouth. Mm. And it, it involved some tough choices at first mm. because it was difficult, it was embarrassing. I got applesauce all over me. But as I continued in that obedience of practice, of, of doing the, 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 the proper thing, the right thing, it became easier and I, and I delighted in feeding myself now. Now, I would much rather feed myself than have somebody else assist me. And I think it's the same way when we learn the secret of contentment, we've got some choices we've got to master and it might not be easy, but as we focus and fix our minds on Christ and Christ alone and cultivate that discipline of which mm. Paul spoke earlier, then we'll learn that secret of being content mm. and we'll see Christ as sufficient. I think that's a wonderful word, contentment in the Greek. It's actually taken from an old secular word, a stoic word, it has no religious meaning. It's, it, as you say, it means self-sufficiency. Paul injects it with a God-sufficiency oh. element, which is so wonderful. Mm. Paul, verse 19, mm. as we look at the use our money and resources to support the work of the gospel, I mean, how does Paul help us to understand sort of spiritual economics? Spiritual economics, there it is. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And sometimes I've heard preachers who turn this into saying, yeah, if you're poor, uh, God will give you lots and lots of money. Uh, and, and in various ways that they suggest that you do that and get all this money. But of course, Paul's just said, no, he's not interested in that, whether he's got n no money or he's got money or whatever his circumstances, he's content with Christ. 
That's what, that's what gives him contentment and happiness and joy. No, the glorious riches is the riches of Christ himself. He's the prize. We looked at that earlier. He is the prize. And in mm. whatever the circumstances, whatever the difficulties or, or, or blessings we're enjoying, the real prize, the real riches is what God gives us so generously is himself and the, the glory of his company. And that's what draws us forward. We're eagerly desiring that and more of that. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. We've done, friends, we've done, and yet we haven't done. We've looked at the letter to the Philippians, and we've, uh, we've learned such a lot from it. Johnny Erickson Tarder, Paul and I cannot thank you enough for joining mm -hmm. us and yeah. those participating in the program for joining us today and over these past studies. We're so grateful to you. We wish you God's richest blessings and you and your beloved 40 and more colleagues here in Agoura Hills and then the colleagues all over the different continents who are representing the work again and the volunteers and then millions of people who have found inspiration from your leadership. We're so grateful. Mm. Look at this book, The God I Love by Johnny Erickson Tara. I hope that part of the spin-off of our studies together that would be that some will say, I'd like to do a bit more reading from what Johnny has discovered mm. from life. And this is really your memoirs, isn't well, it? Well, part of the spin-off for me is that I'm going to dig deeper into the book of Philippians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. The last word, I suppose, really is Paul the Apostle. You know, Philippians 3, verse 13. One thing I do. Really, Paul? We thought you did many things. We thought you were a tent maker. We thought you were a great travel man. We thought that you were a, a lecturer. We thought you were a church planter. We thought you wrote books. No, he says, one thing. One thing I do. There it is. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, towards the prize. And as you say, the prize is Christ. May it be Christ always in your life and all of our lives. Shall we have a prayer right now? Great God, our Father, we thank you for those who have shown us the way. We thank you for people who have shown us and taught us from the Bible. We thank you for the scriptures that are able to make us wise to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Help us now to take hold of these things of which we have studied and to make them our own again and again. For your holy name's sake. Amen. 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 One day we'll do it again with you. Thank you very much for joining us here in sunny California. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you.